Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Something does exist in a state of being unlike everything else, and it will continue to exist. It's not as though at the, you know, 100,000 years from now, God is going to be like, man, I'm just tired. If I could just hang up the hat and have somebody take over for a while. Nope. Meaning this, he is set apart. He is in charge. He was, he is, he always will be. That is what the Bible reveals about God being utterly unlike us. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. God does not grow weary or get tired. That applies to his dealings with you. Even the thousandth time you stumble off in sin, the love that he expressed in Jesus still goes strong and he'll welcome you back in grace. It also applies to how he deals with humanity across the arc of time. His creation, on the other hand, including us, does grow old and weary. As Pastor Ricky will point out in today's message, only God is steadfast and sure, and he'll remain so even after everything we see has fallen apart. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter four, as he continues his message, The Citadel at the End of Time, The Lord, listen, I I want you to get this. The Lord is not up there in Revelation 4 on the throne going, oh my gosh, he's wringing his hands. Oh, inflation and and war in Europe and COVID. And and he's just like furiously putting out fires and he's just, he's up there. He's just a hardworking guy doing the best he can. No, the world and all of its tempest and rage is still before the Lord of hosts. And what does this mean? Well, I believe that this would profoundly reshape the way we think about life if we can grasp it. The first way this reshapes life is it answers the statement, these people or this thing rules over my life and it's hopeless. This is very much the plight of the original Christians in first century Asia Minor. They felt acutely, those who had power over them, they feared what would happen to them. And maybe today you feel the same. Maybe you feel like your life is just getting pushed and pulled by all these forces above you and around you. And, and, and maybe functionally, something else is on the throne of your life, not God. Something, you see something else. Well, if this boss does this or that, it changes my life. If this spouse does this or that, they change my life. Maybe it's something even harder to define. It's, it's the world turmoil. It's inflation. It's COVID. It's war. It's disaster. And you're, you're constantly wondering, what is this going to happen? It's a medical situation. This thing is the thing that rules over my life. Oh, brother and sister, hear the good news. Hear this the way that it would have encouraged the original Christians who read it, who feared day after day. What will Caesar say this week? What will Caesar decree this year? What will happen to us? The Lord is revealing himself as the one on the throne over all. Your life is not left up to the whims and chances of the powers over you. There is one who rules over those powers and who holds you in his hand if you are his people. Oh, what good news. You don't have to wonder, what, what, what's going to happen? What will the medical result be? And that'll change my life. No, it may, but one rules over it all. Now, I want to address perhaps a, a more modern twist on this that I think is unique to our age uh, in, in particular. 
And that's the thought, no one rules over my life and it's hopeless. See, we live in an age where it's like the, the age of the individual, the age of me. It's like nobody's gonna tell me what to do. All of our big stories are like the little guy, the individualist raging against the system and winning, right? The problem is once we rage against the system and win and are free to do whatever we wanna do, then it's like, what now? When life is left up to us to define and, and, and rule and reign over, we find our power absolutely inadequate. We're like the, you know, the, to, to, to reference a dated film, right? We, we think the powerful Wizard of Oz is the one who's in control. And, and the, you know, Wizard of Oz, the parable is they go and they find it's just a little guy in a booth with a voice box and gears. And we're like, ha ha, we can determine our own destiny. This happened recently actually in a Marvel show where they get to this, this person controlling all of time and everybody, uh, everybody's destiny. They, they go and find him, find he, he who remains in the citadel at the end of time. And it's just a guy. And one of the characters kills him. And everybody else is like, I guess we're doing whatever we want now. Woo. The problem is this. You get there and then existentially, it is terrifying. Look, if, if life is left up to you to exert your rule and reign over, good luck with that. I can't even get my two-year-old to do what I want him to do. If I'm the one on the throne, we're in trouble. That's why this is good news for postmodern ages. The good news is this. Someone is on the throne. The throne is occupied. And it is not by us. It's someone who holds the strands of the past, present, and future in his hand. Someone who can exert his rule for justice and good upon the earth. Oh, what a comfort. In summary, Dennis Johnson says this. John's vision opens to the beleaguered church's view through heaven's door a glimpse of God's sovereignty over earth's turmoil. Brother and sister, look to the one on the throne and take heart today. Now, two things that follow from this picture of the one on the throne. The first is our posture toward the throne. I want us to notice our posture toward the throne. Now, in verses six to, to eight here, we're introduced to these four living creatures. Now, maybe that tripped you up as we, ran, as we went. Maybe you were like, hey, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. And then we get to the creatures who are filled with eyes and inside and outside with faces. And you're like, I'm out again. Never mind. This may be where you stopped your Bible reading plan through Revelation. You're like, I can't even get into the shallow end here. Now remember, remember, th this is meant to help us see something. Uh, the, the fact that they have eyes all over themselves, that's meant to represent that they see everything. They observe everything. And their differing faces represent the different aspects of creation. They're meant to summarize creation as a whole. So perhaps it's the ferocity of creation represented in a lion, the strength of different parts of creation represented in an ox, the wisdom of creation represented in a man, the speed of creation represented in the eagle, meaning that they're meant, here's the picture, they see everything in creation, they represent everything in creation, and as a result, they sing this song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The summary of creation, its song is, there is one who is utterly unlike anything else in creation. They're not singing, hey God, he's great. He's kind of like this. No, they see everything. There is nothing like this. There is nothing like him. 
Now, Johnson notes that what they are singing about is not what God has done, but who God is. And a lot of our, our Christian lives are spent thinking about who, what God has done in a good way, right? Like he, he's come to save us as we're going to celebrate uh, in Easter Resurrection Weekend. He's come to, to, you know, maybe he's helped you get a job. He saved your marriage and we rejoice. We should rejoice. When we see the things that God has done in our lives, it should result in praise. But that's not why they're praising God. They're praising God, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. Now, we could do an entire sermon on the three words here, holy, holy, holy. Now, what's going on here is that in Hebrew, and, and, and following kind of that, that Hebrew literature uh, having influence on the New Testament in Greek, in these ancient languages, they didn't have Microsoft Word. All right, so if you are writing an email to another person at your job and, and they are always late, your email will do something like this. You will say, hey, Bob, I need this by Friday. And you look at the email and you think, nope. And you bold by Friday. And you think, nope, underline bold. Nope, italicized, underline bold, crank up to like 18 point font by Friday, Bob, I'm sure that's nobody here, but if you've ever tried to emphasize something, we have those tools to emphasize it. Now, in Hebrew literature, in ancient literature, often they would repeat something to emphasize its importance. So Jesus, in his teaching, will often say this, verily, verily, I say to you, which, or literally, amen, amen, meaning listen up. No, 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 listen up, right? Let's just like, I think you're listening. No, we're listening. No, you're not. This is that important, right? And so some things are doubly emphasized, but only one aspect of God's character in the Bible is, is increased, as it were, to the third power, increased to the third degree, increased to the superlative. God is not just holy or holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. Now, when we see that word, often the connotation we have is holiness being a moral quality. So holiness is like, you're holier than thou. Hey, that guy's always holier than thou. What does that mean? It means that Bob, the worst, thinks he is better than everyone else in the office and more righteous, you know, and, you're, and he's not really, but he thinks he is, right, holy. Now, surely God's holiness does have a moral aspect to it, but what's being emphasized here. Is, is not specifically the moral aspect. It's the, the essence of holiness. And the essence of holiness is set-apartness, if I could create a word out of thin air. His set-apartness, his transcendence, his separateness from, remember, they're looking at everything in creation and saying something is unlike everything else. Set-apart, transcendent, above and then they illustrate it in his titles, the Lord God Almighty. So this isn't like, like well, he's a king, kind of like other kings. No, he is the Lord. He is the God over all gods. And he is the Almighty, unlimited in his power. And then look how it ends. Who was and is and is to come. This is actually repeated for, in, the, in the phrasing forever and ever and forever and ever that, that we keep saying. Who was and is and is to come. Meaning nothing else in creation can this be sung about. 
everyone in this room began and pretty quickly in their 20s began to decay, right? You're going to, like, human lives are like, great, from zero to 20, and then it's all downhill, right? Some of you are saying amen, like I got a doctor's visit this week. There is something in creation with no beginning. The entirety of the universe that we observe around us as far back as scientists think they can go into the cosmos in time, there exists something before everything. In fact, side note, if something didn't exist before everything, how did everything come to being? But that's for another time. Something existed Something does exist in a state of being unlike everything else, and it will continue to exist. It's not as though at the, you know, 100,000 years from now, God is going to be like, man, I'm just tired. If I could just hang up the hat and have somebody take over for a while. No! Meaning this, he is set apart, he is in charge, he was, he is, he always will be. That is what the Bible reveals about God being utterly unlike us. And let me just quickly say this. I would encourage you to study the attributes of God. Uh, you, there, there's a number of resources on the table. I, I think Grudem, uh, Wayne Grudem, a theologian, does some great starter theolo- theological resources called Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. If you want just one chapter on the character of God, it's over on the book table. You can grab it. You can look at the book. If you want to dive deep, there's a big theology there you could go into. Here's why I think we need this. We need this because we default as Christians to love and gravitate toward the communicable attributes of God, meaning the aspects of God in which he is like us. And it's true, God is like us. We, we, represent, we celebrate that in Christ, in the incarnation. But we must also never forget there are incommunicable attributes of God, meaning there are aspects of God in which he is utterly and completely unlike us. And that is part of who he is. And and we as human beings are made to worship him in all of his being. Now look, when I was a, a teenager... I, I, Tom Wilkins was my youth leader, one of my former pastors, and he was encouraging us, like, get your own time with God in the morning, and so I always had a hard time getting up and reading my Bible, so my dad liked this theologian named R.C. Sproul. He's this, you know, guy from Pittsburgh with crazy hair, and I was like, well, this guy's kind of cool. So I, I go through the list of resources you could get, and I, f- I picked one called Fear and Trembling, because I thought, well, that sounds, that sounds fun, you know? Sounds exciting, at least, even if it's not, you know, if I don't like it, at least it'll be exciting. So I, I got up, I put the little compact disc, which you can look up if you're Gen Z, I put the compact disc in a compact disc player that we used to have, and put my little headphones on, and I'm sitting out looking at the sunrise as I'm listening to R.C. Sproul talk about the nature and character of God. He did a message on Isaiah 6, in which similarly, uh, the Trisagion, the holy, 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 is being expounded. And as I just remember, I remember where I was in my room, I remember watching the sun come up, and I remember thinking, I have never known a God like this, that the weight of glory felt heavy to me, that God is not a teddy bear that you go to for comfort when you're feeling sad alone. 
God is not just somebody who came and walked among us and wept at the grave of his friend alone. God is also indescribably dazzling, indescribably set apart, indescribably sovereign and eternal, indescribably different than anything else in creation. And there was something in my heart that said, I want to know this God. There's something in me that was made to know this God. Because it's in him I live and move and have my being. And to ignore that means to, to never understand the purpose for which I even exist. See the posture then in response to what is being communicated? The 24 elders fall down before him. They're not just like thumbs up, golf clap. No, they are utterly undone, falling casting their crowns, meaning the best of who they are, their glory, their worth, all of it being cast before the Lord. Dennis Johnson says, recognition of the supreme worthiness of God evokes a stabbing, sweet sense of awe to which our modern hearts may be numbed by self-reliance and cynicism. Look, when we get to know the Lord, our posture, look, Sproul uses this picture. That, that in a modern world, we, we treat God, we build, a, it's like we build a bear, build a God, right? We take all these aspects of creation, and we're like, well, I kind of like this Hindu concept, and I kind of like this other thing, and I kind of like this thing, and we build, and we, that's why people say things like, well, my God wouldn't do something like send someone to hell. That's such an interesting phrase, my God. What Revelation does, what Isaiah 6 does, is it throws the buffet of divine attributes on the floor and says, this is God. This is him as he is. There's no picking and choosing. And in response to him, it's like, well, I'd like a God that just embraces me. I don't have to do the falling on the floor thing. Nope, they're one and the same. Posture toward God should be bending the knee. Look, let's just bring this question to mind, I think for maybe a couple folks in the room. Are there any areas in your life that you are not bending the knee to the king and might that be because you don't see him as he is? You think, I can keep this little section of my life sectioned off, my kingdom. No. As Abraham Kuyper said, there is not one square inch over the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is overall, does not cry mine. All right, last, the praise toward the throne. We'll wrap this up here. We must not miss, however, that this song, these songs are songs of praise. The song of the living creatures, the song of the elders are songs of praise. It says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. These elders representing the church, in a sense, see who God is, and their response is worship. Their response is joy. Their response, listen, you gotta understand this. This is no reluctant worship that, that is, you know, bending the knee to a brutal dictator that we really don't wanna serve. No, when we see God as he is, the response in our hearts is, worthy are you. And, and we are filled with joy in saying it. And this is gloriously different from our current age. In our age, we often say things like, I need to be true to myself. I need to honor myself. We repeat affirmations like, I'm worthy, I am important, I am valuable. Now look, is that stuff true? There is an element of truth there that is powerful. But to say things like that, divorced, in other words, to say, to say I'm, I'm just great, 
is totally different than saying, anything great in me that is fearfully and wonderfully made is a pointer and a reflection of the creator. I'm valuable not because of some weird inherent self-worth. I am valuable because God himself wrapped in mercy with peals of thunder all around, shaped and fashioned me. Do you see then why that then is powerful? To say God fearfully and wonderfully made you. God fearfully and wonderfully made you. Meaning as a creature, you find your worth in staring at the creator and reflecting back to him the glory in a sense, you could say that he has made you with, which is a reflection of his own. Meaning we're just mirrors reflecting back to the Lord, the glory of God. Look, my happiest moments as a human being have not been moments in which I am making much of myself. My happiest moments are not me standing and receiving some kind of award and be like, yeah, I'm pretty great, huh? Happiest moment, no. My happiest moments in by and large, are moments in which I stood at the edge of a beach staring at an endless ocean, feeling small. There, when I've, I've gotten out of the car in El Paso, I love this, in a parking lot, and look up, and the sky is on fire. And in that moment, I'm not thinking how great I am. In that moment, I'm thinking, great are you, Lord, for by your will, everything that exists, exists. The Lord Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come, even when I see my sons taking their first steps, I, I, I'm not thinking like, man, I did a great job, you know, as a dad, leading them to take these first steps. I, I, I'm thinking, this is insane. Who made this? When we see the glory of God, it fills our own hearts with joy. And when we grasp the glorious truth that is so countercultural, it, 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 it changes our lives. And the truth is this, it's not about you. Look, we, we live in a world where like, if, if making it about us could make us happy, Americans would be the happiest people in the world. We have, according to world history, we have, if you have just a, a median level income, probably more resources than Caesar did in the first century. You have information, you have all, you know, you're one of the richest people to ever live in human history and you can choose to do anything for yourself. You can go to a movie, you could get a facial, you can do this, you could travel over here, you could drive over there, you, you do all this stuff. And Americans, we're doing all of this stuff and products, of course, our screens are like this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing, this will make you happy, that'll make you happy. And it's all about you. And at the end of the day, what happens? Americans are profoundly unhappy. Depression rates are rising. Anxiety rates are rising. People are getting married and divorced at surprisingly alarming rates. And it's this endless quest to make it about us that ends in despair. And against all of that, Revelation 4 unveils something utterly different. It says, what if it's not about you? What if your existence as a creature is to be found joyfully, happily in the worship of another? Oh, what, what a countercultural truth, but what a welcome one. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching through this series in Revelation next time. We hope you'll join us then. If you're wanting to hear more messages from this series, go to betternewsradio.com and click on the radio tab. You'll also find access to the podcast there as well. 
What are some of the takeaways from Revelation that you've heard so far? How do you think it all applies to the here and now of today? Although Revelation was written centuries ago, it's still referring to things that are yet to come in the future. This should give you a hope for the God who comes to save. For those who don't have a relationship with God, the book of Revelation should put an urgency in your heart that this world and those who reject God are going to be judged. But there's so much life for you to have by believing and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Our hope is that these messages are drawing you closer to the one that saves. When you're at our website, we encourage you to check out Pastor Ricky's book under the book tab. It addresses some of the hard questions that you might be wrestling with as you live in a world that's kind of messed up. There's a reason and a purpose for everything that God does, and maybe this book will give you some valuable insights into the heart of God. Once again, go to betternewsradio.com to find that link to download. While our time with you for today is up, we do trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. Make sure you join us again for the next edition in Revelation with Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.